Segunda Show. And we're back. It's us again. Hi. Your favorite friends. Uh, we are in Spokane, Washington right now, about to go to a show. We're at the tail end of this Pacific Northwest tour, but we are never going to stop. We've got more dates coming up at the end of this month, Thursday, September 27th at 8 p.m. We're going to be in San Diego, California, at a place called Martini's Above Fourth. Both Jess and I will be there performing. I don't have the venues yet uh, on the website, but here's a save the date. October 4th, we are going to be in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. October 5th, we are going to be in Detroit. Detroit. And October 6th, we are going to be in Chicago. Keep an eye on our website, mormonandthemethhead.com. You'll be able to get tickets sometime in the next week or two. Absolutely. But for right now, I don't know, but I've been told that you'll never die and you'll never grow old. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessa Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon and the Meth It was Jessa who told me that. I heard it on Lost Boys. <laughs> You're fidgeting. They are, they're dry. I feel like there's hair in my ears, which I guess technically there is, but I mean, I feel like there is a nest of hair <laughs> packed into my actual ear lobes. Anyway, not lobes. What are the rest of them called? The mm. disc? What? <laughs> Why? What? <laughs> The disc? What is your yeah. actual outside he, of your Today ears? we're <laughs> studying the two parts of the ear. You see part here, the lobe. <laughs> the ear lobe. And the larger upper region, the ear disc. I mean, it looks like a disc. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, fuck. You got us there. Listen. You got us there. I have Mormon questions. Okay. I have several Mormon things to talk about. The I don't dentist? Know, uh, I do want to talk about the uh, fantastic Mormon dentist, but I think we are going to talk about that on the next episode because I want to make sure that I plug the fuck out of all his stuff and I don't have that yet. Okay. So uh, we can talk about the gift that I'm getting in a little bit, but I talked to a girl who went... Uh, hung out with Mormons in high school and went to one of those dances. Remember the dance with your friend with the beautiful dress and they sent her home to get a sweater? What are those yeah. called? Yeah, steak dances. Steak, steak dances. dances. So they let non-Mormons go to those steak dances, but you have to do interviews, she said. you had to, She had to do multiple interviews to get into the dances. Like what? Like she had to have a va like a vouch, multiple yeah. vouches. All right, so yeah, pe anybody could come to a steak dance. Uh, it's just in a... a on a basketball court like a carpeted basketball court um in your is that in your church uh-huh it's just called like the the multi-purpose room the cultural hall the cultural hall cultural hall cultural hall uh and our culture is uh is basketball and uh bad dancing wait they play basketball on carpet yeah man god mormons are cool uh <laughs> It's not like shag carpet yeah. or anything. But <laughs> okay. Carpet. And then the steak dances are just the equivalent of a high school dance. Yeah. 
yeah, but uh, you know, worse, yeah. worse. <laughs> Is that where you learned how to dance? Because you're a very good dancer. I thank you. I don't think I danced ever at those things. I think oh. I stood up against a wall, and uh, I think I I just as I maybe at the very end when I started to have a little more confidence. Now they were like awkward and weird, and I didn't I didn't do well. But I don't know what the interview she's talking about though. So if I wanted to go in high school, if I wanted to go to a, a steak dance, she had to have a couple Mormons say that she was all right. Like, and then she had to interview with someone, I think is what she said. And I was like, wow, that's a lot for a dance. And now you're telling me it's a dance with carpeted floors. So you're not even going to get like a good dance out of it. It's like, I might go for that if it was like the floor was really nice. No, like if you just show up, that's so much planning too. How did she know what her plans were that far in advance? (laughs) I wouldn't commit to anything that far away. I mean, that's the difference of when I was in high school or something. But the, like, I could see someone talking to you as you came into the dance. Like, people would get you know asked to put on a sweater because you know you, that's always so goddamn embarrassing. That I mean, like people would check the girls' clothes that walked into the dance and made sure the skirts weren't uh, too short and that their shoulders weren't too exposed. But and... you didn't have to do like a secret Mormon handshake to prove that you were Mormon to get in. No, man, I feel like they heard rumors about that girl. And needed, and they were like, "We can't let this girl come to <laughs> our dance. No way." Activate we're have... protocol two. Yeah, they started like enacting some voter ID laws <laughs> just to keep this, just to keep certain people out of the dance. You know, uh, that's like I, you, I, I had to go through two interviews to go to the temple. You know, <laughs> like to go to the temple, a me, a Mormon, like person, had to be interviewed twice to go. I can't imagine why they'd be interviewing kids to go to a dance (laughs) Uh, that's like you can't you're there's a i can see why you would interview kids uh or anyone when you're like you're dealing with eternal sacred ordinances ordained of god uh there's a reverence there's a there's some seriousness there the the we're dealing with heavier issues. Why would you need to check someone's worthiness to do the electric slide? <laughs> Why would you need to make sure this this kid this kid's all right? This kid, I I feel like I trust her to do the cha cha real smooth. Baptize the dead. <laughs> Baptize the dead. <laughs> Baptize the dead. Oh my God, he's doing it. Baptize. <laughs> Everybody raise the dead. <laughs> <laughs> Baptize real smooth now. <laughs> Where did you come from? Where did you go? I got dunked for a cotton eye joe. <laughs> I did the work for Cotton Eye Joe. (laughs) (laughs) First time dancing on the podcast. Yeah, maybe I felt like I needed to do the moves. (laughs) Holy shit! Baptize the dead. I'm never. That's all I'm ever going to hear now. Every time someone plays that song. (laughs) Holy shit! I'm killing myself. Oh, I'm very proud of myself. Uh, damn it. Damn it. Mm. Mm. 
So uh, I got pulled over while Jessa was driving the other day. Oh, my God. Listen, have you ever been driving someone so drunk in your car they get you pulled over? It must have just been a slow night in Olympia. Because number yeah, one. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a podcast partner rely so heavily on her autopilot? <laughs> That while totally sober, she drives <laughs> double the speed limit with no lights on. <laughs> Jessa's, Jessa's whole portrayal of this story has been bullshit so far. <laughs> we get pulled over, and just first thing, Jessa's like, what on earth are you pulling me over for? And then we get, she just had a Jarvis been, in, your, in your... The autopilot thing. Ever since I said that, let's let's look back on since I said that. Uh, I have never driven worse in my life since I just talked about having an autopilot. I backed a car into a pole so hard that you couldn't open the driver's side door with Aaron in the car, and then I got pulled over. This road never should have been a twenty-five mile an hour road. Okay, I just uh, would you have guessed it was a twenty-five mile an hour road? It's a fucking four lane. Two lane was yeah, I feel lane. like we probably should have brought that up to the trooper. <laughs> In fairness, <laughs> does this road feel like a 25 to you? I, didn't You're like, I know that you posted the speed limit <laughs> on giant reflective signs, but... I don't think you're taking into consideration how the how this layout made me feel. It it just I don't know if you believe in in feng shui, <laughs> but this road is set up to be a uh, forty five. Uh, oh, I was driving fuck. under the speed limit. <laughs> I did say later, like I intuitively drive. I intuitively, yeah, that's what you said. I intuitively drive the speed limit. <laughs> so I I think your uh, thing, you must be broken. All right. So, all right. I might have started it. But then she comes up to the passenger side of the door. Aaron is fucked. Aaron, I, Aaron's Aaron, had two drinks. Aaron never looks drunk. Like, Aaron can drink a ton, and it takes a long time before you can even tell that Aaron is drunk or high. But I thought maybe Aaron had gotten slipped a roofie because he just looked more drunk than I'd ever seen. I was crossfaded. And was yeah, and was talking, uh, and was talking funny and stuff. But he smelled like alcohol, which most people smell like al- alcohol after they've had a drink. Which I was shocked to hear that I smelled like alcohol. Yeah, and so she, but she comes to the passenger side of the car and is talking through Aaron to me, and just Aaron's breathing into her face, and because uh, she's got her face in his mouth, and oh, is like. Uh, have you been drinking? And the second someone thinks I'm lying or suspects that I'm doing something, I act so guilty. And so I was like, no, <laughs> no, I haven't been drinking. Yeah. <laughs> but then I also think it's hilarious. This is like kind of a dream come true uh-huh. like to get pulled over sober, you know? So... Uh, but I'm only worried about at this point because my car got stolen. I haven't gotten my new car yet. I've been driving rentals around and I just wrecked one of them. So like, all I'm thinking is I cannot get a ticket for the, like my insurance is going to go so high. And so, and all I can think is 
how can I crack Jessa up? Oh my god. So I'm trying to be friendly and serious and Aaron is being so hilarious. Uh she what she did... t- she went back to run your license and and walked back to her car and I said, "Can do you think she can really smell alcohol on me? Or do you think she's being less than troopful?" <laughs> So then I'm crying (laughs) when she walks back up to the car. I've been laughing and she's like, can you step out of the car and has. okay? so here are some things about me. I fall over standing up. I don't know if I have inner ear issues from so many um, ear infections when I was a kid, but I have I have no balance. If you watch me, I've gone to yoga. I've tried to go to yoga to get better. And I just I fall over on the mat constantly. Um, I. She has me do also my eyes cross if I try to focus on things. Like if I try to take a, if I try to look at the camera in a picture, my eyes will cross. And so she shines a flashlight in my face, which is already like activates the blind spots. And she says, do you have any medical conditions that would prevent you from being able to see this pen? But I can't be like, yeah, I mean, I have blind spots from staring at the sun on meth. So I'm just like, no, I mean, blind spots. And then I'm like, fuck, shut up, Jessa. So she does. I'm just sitting in the passenger seat watching all this unfold and loving it. I know every because I already saw it like in my head how it was going to play out. I was like, this bitch can't walk in a straight line. <laughs> There's no way. There's no. I'm, I'm going to film this. I'm so glad you filmed it when I turned around and saw that you were filming it. I was so glad because I was like, oh, he might not want to pull a camera out on a cop right now. But uh, no, man, it was film so fantastic. the police. Yeah. <laughs> film the police. Oh, a firm so, believer. So then she uh, does the pen thing. It felt like we were doing the pen thing forever. And I was following it fine. But it seemed like she was really wanted to catch me. Like really. Oh, she's convinced. She's, she's 100% convinced. convinced that you were drunk. Yeah. And so she just kept like tr- trying to trick me with it and shit. And then. <laughs> like a dog when you throw a stick. But yeah. Then don't really throw yeah. It. She would like start to move it and then move it back real fast. And I was like, this is actually hurting my eye. Like it was hurt. It was straining my eyes. You're shining a light into my face and then making me do these things. I don't think these tests are designed to be passed as a sober person. They were actually hard. Uh, then when she was like, do you have. When I drive around, I try, I try to practice saying my alphabet backwards because I'm like, I can't. It's such a, it's such a. Augie Smith has such a great bit about uh, uh, field sobriety. I, yeah, I think I've heard that. Yeah. So then she wants you to walk in a straight line, heel to toe, heel to toe. And I already know this is, this is something I've practiced before. This is like tongue twisters for my feet. Like I know that I cannot do this. <laughs> like I know I'm going to fall over. And so I get two steps in and then just start like cracking up and i can tell in the look on her face she thinks she has me yeah and then i was like can i just do a breathalyzer and her eyes light up with giant like jackpot money dollar symbol yep. signs like yep. in a cartoon she was like yes oh i love it when they ask for the breathalyzer and then you blew <laughs> i blew 0.0 and uh, right before I blew, well, no, because then I was like, I just ate a mint. Is that going to be a problem? Oh, yeah. But I, I had chewed up, I had aggressively chewed the mint as I was saying that. And so she was like, yeah, can you just spit it out? So then I try to spit it out, but it's just shreds of spit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and then, which also seems like something a drunk person yeah, would do. It's no, like throw was, some mints in my mouth right I now. I was fully, yeah. I was just like, I ate a mint because it's been four minutes since my last mint. Since my last mint. Um, you driving under the influence of mints? I am driving under the influence of mints. Dude, I just, do not. You know, it's the scariest time to be in the car with Jessa when she wants her mints. <laughs> when she wants her mints that she keeps in a, in a bag. Uh, 10 feet away from her like wall drive she has to reach <laughs> she turns completely around in the car she turns completely she has a 180 exorcist style turn and just starts digging through back seats and I'm like you came in here with your purse why how did it get so far away from you you could put it right next to you you put it under your feet you do it and you're just like unzipping different pockets Digging around, like put it mints in the same pocket. Why is this so? We're merging right now into a freeway, and you're like, yeah, but my mouth's a little dry, so I need it. Listen, my new car has a a feature that if you start to veer out of the lane it it puts you back in your lane which it'll I move think the steering wheel it'll itself mo- it'll move the car back into the lane it also won't let you uh rear end anyone in front of you it'll slam on your brakes for you and it also has a cruise control that you set it according to how far away from the car in front of you which is what i hate about cruise control yeah. you set cruise maybe control. i am uh just to, uh, just driving two old cars and two poor cheap to but would you do me a favor and please just double check all those features <laughs> are real before you just i don't know who you heard it from like if it's a reliable source but i really just i find some of them far-fetched and you're just gonna crash you just you're just like yeah 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 i can take my hands off the wheel it's great now this cruise control is great if you veer off it just it just corrects for you it's just like bowling with uh with the <laughs> The little walls up, the little rails up. Just imagining your car going down the freeway, just slowly (laughs) bouncing from one side of the lane to the other. Boom, boom, boom. You're like, yeah, sure, it doesn't drive in a straight line, but I don't have to touch it. It adds a little bit of time to my commute and and gives everyone heart attacks, bud. (laughs) At least I got my mints whenever I want them. Yeah. Fuck this anyway, episode. Let's no, um, let's follow up with anxiety stuff. You, okay. uh, last time we talked, uh, were having bad anxiety attacks, and they didn't get better that night. You woke up like a few hours later, and were then really worried about the podcast that we dropped about anxiety. And you were like, "Should we delete it?" I passed out while you were editing that episode, and then You're I welcome. woke. Thank you. <laughs> I woke up. Uh, you were like going to the bathroom and I woke up alone in a dark room and you're getting ready to go to bed. And I was, uh, I think I was half asleep. I think I was half in a dream, half awake. I woke up freaked the fuck out and wanted to escape and, uh, got, got dressed and was leaving. And I think I kind of had to go to the bathroom and you were in the bath. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't fully know. I know I was, I was, I was freaked out. And, uh, 
you came out of the bathroom and you're like, what's happening? And then I was just like dressed and just left and then was like down the hallway before I, I feel like I snapped out of it and was like, where, where am I going? It's like three o'clock in the morning right now. So I came back and did I cry then? There was, was a like, lot of crying. It yeah. all kind of merged together for me. I don't know. Um, and then I uh, passed back out. I woke back up at seven. I woke up at seven panicked that we had put out a podcast about uh, my anxiety. Like I couldn't, I never, I have to listen to the podcast after we record them. Cause I always just like my stand up sets always feel like that wasn't any good. And then I listen to it. And I'm like, Oh, it's fine. But I just, I felt like, Oh, I was really freaked out. I think this particular anxiety was a culmination of feeling like, was stress i'm not getting enough sleep i'm not getting enough food and i my lifestyle has drastically changed my life has been in my entire life my my marriage my home my the city i live in the the lifestyle that i lead every, my relationship with my kid, like every single aspect of my life has been in flux for uh over a year now there has nothing has stayed the same for more than a couple months at a time and so and now I am adjusting to this new life where I am constantly busy. I can't look at my phone without uh, having a, you know, I just, two years ago, I just sat on my phone all day. I took care of my kids and I had this very like regimented lifestyle where everything was very predictable. And I did comedy like one weekend a month. And now I have this. I'm constantly traveling. There's always something to do. There's always someone who needs something for me. There's always emails to be answered. And so I think I like that. I, I like it, but I haven't adjusted to it yet and i i feel like the night of uh of the epics recording was a culmination mm -hmm. of yeah a lot of things building up but i like how i remember the beginning so like two or three weeks ago whenever we started uh i remember you were talking about how well we traveled together and you were talking about some you can't travel with some people you're like i feel like some people just can't handle just the the stress of changing environments they just lose their shit immediately and they become they just become t awful to be around just because they don't know know how to travel thank good thank god we're good at it fast forward seven days later it's 3 a.m and you're you're crying in the bed like i don't know uh, what's happening i do still feel like we're good at it um i know people that can't go out of okay, town okay todd todd mark we're gonna cut that part <laughs> We're going to cut that. My fake name for everyone is Todd now. Damn yeah. it. Um, hey, Michael, could you cut the part where I said Todd? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want my fake producer that I made up to be named Todd. So we're, now your name is Michael. So if you could just cut all that out. Thank you. I uh, feel bad that we didn't get to talk about all the cool things on the tour. I, I feel like I made the tour sound like a nightmare. Yeah, do you remember my face when we were recording? <laughs> and I was like, I started it out when you were in the bathroom, and I was like, hey guys, here are some shows that are coming up, and now we're getting ready for the next episode. And then I like kicked off the episode, and I was like, and here we go. Man, what a great night. And then and I then passed I, it to you. And I said, I'm so sick of being anxious. <laughs> and then my I kept a smile on. You did. I, get, I was like, uh-huh, yeah. Uh -huh. And then like a minute in, I was like... <laughs> This isn't the podcast you want. And you were like, no, this is great. This is raw. And I was like, hold my beer. <laughs> it was, though. I stand by that. I stand by that. Here's what I like about it. I think we don't catch a lot of this, this stuff. We don't catch a lot of you taking care of me on the podcast, even though it happens all the time. 
And so in this last year, uh, we have caught a lot of me helping you. It just is the timing, I guess, or Mm -hmm. in the me coming up with podcast ideas. But we... Aaron, here's another idea. Get this. You're going to cry a lot. <laughs> um, but I am very new to feelings and emotions, and you have absolutely been my uh, emotion coach. Yeah. And so I'm glad that we got to catch that because there is a lot of that. And when it's happening, it's so overwhelming for me, and it's also something I'm very ashamed of. And you're someone that I trust and someone that I respect. And so when you, and you're someone whose emotional IQ, I think I said last time, I, I respect, I respect so much. I used to just, I used to see people who were in touch with their emotions, not in because t- I, I don't stuff. Like someone had said, like, I think you've been stuffing. I don't, I don't stuff. I just process and then logic takes over quickly. And I think I'm just moving into a phase of my life where I'm, I'm, I've got less armor. I've got less walls and I'm, I'm becoming uh, more and it's helping me in other areas, but you're the first person I ever saw who was, who had feelings, man, I've ever seen who had feelings that I was like, it changed my mind about emotions and feelings and that maybe they weren't something that needed to be dominated all the time. Maybe there was value in them. And I see the value in emotions in you and therefore having you to talk to and you to help me through uh, these sort of things. So uh, the anxiety's been a thing, depression, all the stuff I've been dealing with in the last year, and that you help me all the time, and I'm glad that we caught that. So that's kind of why I went with it. But I felt bad because we had had so much fun mm-hmm. on that trip, and I felt like because you know when you're anxious or depressed, it feels like I've always been anxious every minute of my life. Yeah, and forever. I will Everything never sucks. not be. Uh, hold on one sec. I just want to say thank you. Mm. Uh. <laughs> That's the noise that you make. That's it. That's the noise that you make. <laughs> that that sounds <laughs> sounds like what I assume it felt like to hug you. It sounds like someone doing their best impression of being sweet. They're like it's like you heard it's like you watched a movie with a girl who went one time when her boyfriend said something sweet and you were like, yep, that's what I have to, I got to learn how to do that. (laughs) Anytime I say something nice to you, you put, you're like, (laughs) you sound like a sick cat. the other day you did something super sweet and i was like i didn't say anything i just froze and then later i was like i don't know i don't know oh but i'm glad that we caught (laughs) speaking of catching things on the record we got it that's what i was talking about anyway it was really sweet to hear you say that stuff yep That's more natural. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I yeah. like that. I really had to work hard. And <laughs> I saw your mouth start to make that. Yup. Meow. Yup. Anyways. Uh, thank you. I uh, appreciate it. You're the first person that made me feel like my emotions were a superpower rather than a uh, 
glaring weakness, you know, that uh, you that's you. And I, we got this message one time from a, a longtime listener where he was talking about uh, my me being emotional and, and how that was helpful for him to listen to. And uh, those comments have stuck with me because I think it's it's nice. It's nice. I've never I always felt like I was too emotional and uh, that is a problem and so anyway that's nice but we did have a good trip we did we did uh the lot of lot of the the epics taping went really well that you guys can catch Jessa Reed uh on unprotected sets on epics starting October 5th you said that really well i wish you could have said that for me um when you were at the tape the promos Oh, I had everything until that part. It's hard to say unprotected sets. Now I can say it no problem, but it's hard to say it when you're supposed to. I mean, not for anyone else. <laughs> all the other comics nailed it. I was there. They all got it. Oh, how embarrassing. They're like, everyone says unprotected. See, it's hard. Unprotected. Unprotected. <laughs> sets. Oh, fuck it. Um... Anyway, but yeah, it was great. It was a great week, and I feel like I've spent the last week like paradigm shifting into how the 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 trip actually went. And Seeing how it really was, rather than the way your anxiety told you it was. Yeah, here's the thing about anxiety: is it's extremely distorting. It's it's like a lens because there's that panicked feeling in my body everything I'm perceiving feels like it's something to panic over. It's, it's so it's impossible not to project. And so in those situations, when I'm anxious, I'll take other people's word for stuff. So if I think I bombed, I'll ask you cause I trust you. There are people I don't trust, but I'll ask you like, was that a bad set? And sometimes you'll say that wasn't your best set, but nobody else caught it or no, it was just a great set or whatever. Um, so I had a lot of sets that felt bad I had a lot of things. It's it's so distorting of your reality and it's made me think a lot about anxiety and depression and how it paints the the world that we see and the way that we It's like I'm I'm panicked and that is its own thing that feels almost physical. I mean, I think I know what it is. I'm getting triggered by things. I'm getting triggered by trauma that's trying to work its way to the surface. But then every single experience I have is getting pulled up into this anxiety. And I'm looking back on this week that I had, and it was great. And I had a bunch of great experiences, but they all felt awful under the influence of that anxiety. I was thinking about what you said about uh, anxiety and feeling different. Like how it changes your perception of things. And I'm trying to think, I don't think my anxiety felt like that or feels like that. I mean, I felt like my depression is what was altering my view of reality more right. than anxiety. And those things did go hand in hand, but I always associated the perception side effects to the more sad feelings of depression whereas anxiety always just kind of made me uh super uncomfortable it's like a like a like a faster higher frequency you right. know the the perception changing frequencies i'm pulling this all out of my ass right now but it feels true uh came uh 
they just were they were lower and sadder you know that's that's what made me feel like everyone hates me i'm worthless i should die i uh and nothing was you know could have been everyone loves me and uh, i have lots of friends and all those things like that i feel like anxiety just was more of just like a constant discomfort and i couldn't stop uh wheels turning in my head that uh i just would grind on something and grind on it and grind on it right it wasn't so much that my perception was wrong about it it was just that like i was stuck in some sort of loop where i just could not just move past it just let it go just solve the problem and move pick a solution i would just go back and forth between any two options and be like uh could i uh, uh, you know yeah but uh it uh, i don't know this so is, i feel like that's would you say that situational anxiety or would you say this is like spontaneous anxiety that's happening i don't it's 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 not constant i mean my anxiety is so much better so much under control since i started smoking weed that's what I, I do a lot of the times when I get caught in that loop. I smoke a little bit of weed and uh, it helps me make a decision. It helps me move on from something. It helps me let go. I suddenly get focused and I just go back to work, you know? I also, I, I would like to point out, because uh, I know that we talk about, I know this is like a podcast that has someone who's uh, sober and someone who's just oh discovered my God, drugs. yeah. But, um... Uh, and we've had some criticisms where they think that uh, uh, when he says a little bit of weed, uh, addict friends, he means a little bit of weed. Like I've never used a one hitter. He uses a one hitter. He takes like one hit. Um, he drink. He drinks very little. Like it's uh, it's real moderation. I think we talk about it a lot because it's a it's a newly discovered thing. Right, um, right. But he's like, I can't hang with people that smoke weed all day because they get they don't they don't move fast enough for me. They don't they don't they don't. Uh, it's it's not the right vibe for me. I move mm-hmm. very fast. I talk very fast. So I usually can't kick it with someone who smokes a ton of weed. What if they need to smoke weed all day? And because it just doesn't it, it becomes frustrating for me. And I really can't fuck with people that drink a lot because I don't the conversations get too unintelligent and too frustrating for me so comics are kind of an exception for that just because they're already uh yeah smart but i uh i I, think i went through my phase where i was trying to i mean i was smoking i definitely had phases where i was high a lot and i wanted to experiment more and get get real high i have uh my good friend eileen that like i'd go to her house and uh we like we would have you know every now and then we'd like get together and just get super high and do nothing just because i wanted to see what it's like to be super high yeah but yeah for the most part i don't i I still i like getting shit done and if i get even just a little too high it fucks everything up yeah so i do i think i smoke frequently but a very small amount because i just want to be better i want to be healthy I, and i feel like I'm, I'm medicating with it to like it's bringing me up to an optimal level you know yeah and i don't want to then go i don't want to have a bad time or i don't want to uh fuck stuff up and so just like a little bit when i'm feeling anxious or if i uh i don't know so that's, very, that's very different than an addict so right. like an addict would be like uh could not make the decision that would be because what I see is I don't you know like 
you are finding something that helps you find that balance with the with the anxiety and depression and i do i do believe weed is medicine and i do like for my own personal beliefs i think if you can find a way to do something with with cannabis or cbd and and not have to be on a ton of uh pills you mm-hmm. know not that there's anything wrong with that but i do think being able to take that into your own hands if you can find true equilibrium with that they're they're doing some stuff now with ketamine uh and uh depression which i'm intrigued by just because my experiences with ketamine i'm like oh that's that's interesting to me but um i think you know i'm anything where you can where you have autonomy so i feel like if you can find a way to to do something with weed it wouldn't work for me but to bring you that balance that's awesome but an addict would be like do you think I'm offending uh, people that are uh, in in recovery? To be honest, I, I I have seen feedback on the internet, and um, I I do think we have a lot of addicts that listen to the podcast because of me, and I think that addicts for the most part get should get it. It might be triggering for some of them. I think sometimes, uh, like it seemed to the comedy show last night, I saw someone that might have been. That's triggered. what. So that's what I. That's why I asked because I got it because we're in Portland, which is your uh, old old uh, meth grounds. And uh, so you have a lot of friends and you like you said that you're like, this is real fun to do a show with a bunch of people that I got high with. And so I know like every, and you would ask towards the end of your set if anyone's in recovery. And I made a joke about that, about how I'm in recovery from Mormonism. But like then the obvious thing there is they're like, well, the only difference is, is that my recovery is mandates drinking, you know? Yeah. And uh, and yours doesn't. And so like I was suddenly then conscious of all these lines in my act and as i'm like telling the jokes i'm trying to rewrite them on the fly and may and turn them into a more personal opinion statement rather than like because i'll say drugs are great uh on stage because that's very funny for a mormon who is yeah. so scared of ju- drugs his whole life to to realize like that they're that they're fun they're okay that they're not uh inherently evil and stuff and so i'm like ah drugs are great and the, but before i say that line i'm suddenly conscious of like all the people in the room that are going to have a different reaction to that sentence. Right. That's going to mean something different for them. That's going to uh, trigger something. And I've had comics like lovingly, like jokingly say to me after, be like, uh, someone in New York did this. They're like, I don't need you reminding me how fun alcohol was, you know? Yeah. Uh, but th- last night felt more serious and yeah. I was nervous and I don't want to make it, I don't want to offend anybody. It is just my own personal experience though. And I, um, believe in moderation, you know, like I, but, uh, I I feel like, I feel like the, the absolute ban on those substances, uh, was unhealthy. It was unhealthy for me. It, 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 I would have been a lot healthier without that sort of, um, programming, you know? Right. Uh, But I also understand that it's gotta be, that an excess of it has to be w- much more unhealthy. So your average addict who's been in recovery for a while understands that it isn't the substances. It's a, it's a, it's a switch inside of them. It's a switch inside of them. They would not say an addict would not say, uh, would not be like, 
an addict would be like one hits fun 10 hits is better even if the 10 hits fucks your entire day up fucks your life up whatever like that's that's the switch that an addict has and so most addicts know that it doesn't that the substances aren't the problem it's the um it's the switch within the addict it's the disease whatever however you want to put it but uh a lot of addicts are they have to work every day to not use that there there is a part of them calling them telling them that the drugs are good and stuff and so there it is a little bit like for me I don't I am I am uh I have mixed feelings about my relationship with addiction that I haven't gotten into yet on the podcast uh I'm kind of afraid to but um I have no desire I don't want to drink I don't want to smoke pot not because I can't but because I don't want to I don't have the desire I uh didn't use to escape pain. I didn't uh, use to to run away from anything. I used because I was disillusioned with reality, and and drugs made me feel like I I got to get closer to the curtain. When I found the curtain, I didn't give a fuck about getting fucked up anymore. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was right. Um, reality is more than I thought it was, and I don't I don't uh, so I don't have a desire to. So none of this stuff is triggering for me. If you ha- if you are on meth in front of me. Or I, or I know you're tweaking, I get the fuck away from you. Because I liked speed. I like speed. The rest of the drugs, I could give two shits. I like speed, and I would never, I wouldn't even eat an Adderall. Uh, mm. Because I know that those things are, and there are certain things that are weirdly triggering for me. Uh, vape smoke looks like meth smoke. And I find my, I, uh, like, I find, like, a, I get, like, a physical reaction to that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, even the, the sound of vape smoke coming out. Yeah, when people first started vaping, I was like, oh, those look like meth clouds. Like, that's the, and that's that. That's weird. I, I, yeah. I, I, that's cool that, uh, well, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's but interesting even when they get ex- a physical reaction yeah. from something that isn't even, and then just shooting looks up. like. Shooting up in movies, if they show like the blood getting pulled back into a syringe, all like my body will have a physical reaction. Nothing uh-huh. that like makes me want to use, but triggers are weird. Yeah. So and this is, I feel like I triggered people on intent. Like Sam Miller at before the Olympia show was telling me about his initial perceptions of me and of us. And he did a show with me. I can't remember when, but it was before you and I had a podcast or anything. It was, uh, in Centralia, I think. And, uh, I was in one of my dark places, you know, <laughs> he was worried about me. He was like, cause I did all these jokes about how mad and angry and upset that I was about the divorce. And then I also did some jokes about how, uh, because of the divorce, I started drinking and isn't it great. And as someone who had a really destructive path with alcohol, he's hearing me tell these jokes and he's worried for me. He's like, Oh no, this guy could be, you know, set down, uh, this really unhealthy path and uh, now and he was like telling me about how happy he is that that wasn't the case and uh, everything but uh, I, I did do, I do wonder if other people are like they they have a hard time laughing along with the crowd because they're like that poor boy he's uh, he's in real trouble and we're all just laughing at it for my first few years sober I definitely thought everyone and I do still uh, my feelings about moderation are 
I really, I, we're just going to have to do an episode on this subject, but my feelings on moderation, I feel like when you, when you smoking pot, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this because I, I, uh, I, I do see a lot of it as medicine. I don't smoke it, but I, I, uh, but drinking when people say I drink in moderation and they mean that they get drunk multiple times a week, that just doesn't, that's like a lot to me. That's like, that's a lot of altering your just from like a manifesting reality standpoint, when you're drunk, you're just like, uh, you're just like on autopilot. Like you're just, and, and it's such, it's also such, now autopilot's a bad thing. Yeah. For, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, it's also such ego juice. Like alcohol to me is like such, uh, just let your ego out to, to run around like your insecurities and stuff. I don't, I don't know. I, uh, for me, I just I just don't like alcohol, I guess. I never really did. But I drank it for like a year. Um, but I thought that everyone... They're definitely... When you first get clean after having your life just wrecked, which wasn't even my perception of my time using. Like, I, 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 I've always been grateful for the time that I was out there. And I left after I was done. And I didn't want to go back. And I was never, hold, like, gripping the end of... They call it white knuckling, where you're just gripping your chair, just mm-hmm. trying to say, I've, I'm so grateful. I've never had any of those experiences. And so I was very fortunate to just get to quit when I was done. And I haven't had to have any of those experiences, but, and I also didn't like my life did get destroyed, but I, it needed to get destroyed. And I see the value in my life being, uh, leaving society for a while and finding myself. And, but that isn't the experience that a lot of people have. So I think when a lot of people come back from having their life wrecked where they've lost their kids, their jobs, their, their family, whatever. And then to have someone be like, this is amazing. You know, I could see how people could, have a hard time not seeing that only through the lens of their own experience. And then also I think that two years clean, Jessa would have heard you doing those jokes and definitely thought like, Oh, he's going to become an addict, you know, uh-huh. cause it's hard. It's hard. It's hard when you're in a, when you're in a bubble to not think that everyone else is going to end up in the same bubble. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to say on the podcast that when this dude says, a little bit. I can tell you that no addict would even take a lighter to the amount of weed that I've seen you uh, smoke. I mean, like, what would they do? Would they eat it? Would no, they-, they would just be like, "Do you have ten more of this <laughs> serving?" <laughs> I'm trying to wake up here. Oh. Um, so I just thought uh, you are actual moderation. You are actual. You are an actually cautious mm-hmm. person, which is one of my favorite things about you because it's such a stark contrast. And one to of me. your least favorite things about me. I mean, like, uh, it, it, you're like, God damn, this guy moves so slowly. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I just, I damn, I am like, someone said something last night about, uh, uh, like people being offended by my jokes. And they, I know that I don't care. Like, I, that doesn't, I know that 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 it's just my experience and stuff, and I could have that attitude, but I really honestly cared about if I triggered people. Like, yeah, you know, I don't want to just be an asshole. And I will say that um, if I if I have you know ever you know bothered some people in recovery, they've never come up to me after a show and talked about it. Like the people that I've bothered who are in religion, <laughs> like those are the people that come up and talk to me about how sad they thought my set was. If like Sam Miller was worried, but he kept it to himself yeah. until like two years later. But like we did that show in Sacramento and that, that couple there, that weird dude kept talking to me afterwards about how he was like, yeah. he, he wanted yeah. to buy a shirt. His girlfriend wanted to buy a shirt. 
uh, and and then he, and like she was telling me how funny I was, how great it was, and then he had a smile on his face, but was just like, yeah, but it's like. It's like a little sad though, right? And I was like, not really, man. It's a, I'm doing great. This is the happiest I've ever been. He's like, but yeah, but yeah, you're talking about, you know, uh, losing God and stuff. That's, uh, I mean, it just made me kind of, kind of sad for you. And I was like, there's no need to be sad for me, man. Uh, I'm living my best life. I feel like I'm much healthier. I'm doing all this, this. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're definitely doing great. It's a, it was a real, real fun, real fun time. But just like, you know, uh, Jesus loves you, and yeah. uh, oh, God, you know, was so fucking awful. Uh, you could just come back. And I was like, "Good." Yeah, it was get really uncomfortable. I um, I have noticed no addict because we get asked. I get asked this a lot, like with uh, you doing a podcast where a lot of your following is um, in recovery or or former addicts, and hit so much of his experience is like freshly finding drugs and alcohol and stuff. Do you get a lot of blowback? And I'm like, I have literally, I saw one person last night leave the show who, when she left the show, she didn't look mad. I thought there's a, she might've just needed to go, but there was a pot. She, she had a soda. And so I was like, okay, she was maybe triggered because you were on the drug material, but she didn't look mad. I think that addicts are for the most part, uh, understand that it's our own personal experience. And although it might be triggering for us, it doesn't mean that you uh, can't do that. The only criticism that we've gotten about you talking about weed and stuff on the podcast has been from ex Mormons, mm-hmm. uh, talking of, <laughs> like, I egg you on. Cause there was like jokes in the I, beginning. Yeah, there's, we only had one or two people that said that by the way. And I do feel uh, no, someone said someone said it's sophomoric how much they talk about weed, and I like that one because uh, I'm like, you're right, yeah, you're right. But keep in mind that emotionally, or maybe worldly in a worldly sense, I am a literal sophomore right exactly. now. Exactly, I I am a sophomore, either collegiate or scholastic. I'll let you uh, be the judge. You can decide how immature I am. But I mean, it's all brand new for me. And I think that's kind of the appeal why it's why it's funny and silly. But I can understand someone being like, Ugh. yeah, Ugh, stop talking about it so much. You guys that way. Uh, uh, check out some like five minutes and I have to pee and we got to go right by. Is that enough time for you to pee? Uh, hopefully. Okay. If I turn got, the water on. We'll check you next week on Mormon and the meth head. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all let just so read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike.